Hey, good afternoon to all of you out there. If any of you are out there, if uh, if you're watching live, Gabe DeArmond, Gerard Hamilton here, powermizzou.com. We're going to talk a little Missouri football. We're going to bring Drew King in later to talk Missouri basketball. Uh, FYI, Gerard, before I bring you in, I see your, it's telling me your microphone's on mute. It's not now. So uh, every, everything's good, man. What's going on? All right, we may be having some uh, some technical issues with Gerard. He is uh, frozen up, so I'm going to take him off the stream for the time being. We will add him back in when when he gets uh, when everything is ready to go. Okay, I see him moving now. So there you go, Gerard is back. Can you hear me? All right, this is the beauty of live internet. Um, yeah, we got Gerard now. So. Uh, so we will get to Gerard in a minute, okay. hopefully. Everything uh, working for the time being. want to invite you guys, if you're watching along live with us, to uh, go ahead and put some comments, questions, whatever you got in the queue. Like I said, first 15, 20 minutes we'll do football. Last 15, 20 minutes we'll do basketball when Drew King joins us. So questions and comments, more than welcome. Before we get to those, always want to remind you guys, that these shows are made possible every week, every Tuesday and Wednesday by James Carlton State Farm Insurance in Webster Groves, Missouri. If you live in Missouri, if you live in Illinois, James wants to work with you and try to save you a little bit of money uh, on your insurance needs. Uh, winter is coming. Uh, we had snow on the ground yesterday morning. Driving gets a little sketchy in the state of Missouri at that time. So car insurance, home insurance, whatever you need, get in touch with James, carltoninsurance.net, 314-961-4800. If uh, you mention this show to him and he ends up giving you a quote on your insurance, he's going to donate $20 to Mizzou's NIL collective. Uh, so even if all you want to do is somehow help out Missouri sports, reach out and, and get a quote from James. Gerard, what's going on, man? How are you? Doing well, doing well. Is the going okay? All right. Um, I you're coming through. It's incredibly choppy. Um, I don't, I don't know what's going on. We're gonna we're gonna try our best. If uh, if if we have to uh, go solo for the first few minutes, I will uh, I'll text you and let you know. But look, it's Missouri, New Mexico State. I really can't um get too jacked up for this one and and come up with a lot of things that I want to see. If Sam Horn doesn't play, if Tavoris Jones doesn't play, if all these young guys don't play, to me this is uh this is a lost weekend. Um and that is that's kind of where we stand at this point in time. Um all I want to see out of this game is the uh is the young kids play. And if you guys can give me just a minute uh trying to figure this out. Okay, uh, so I'm going to go solo for for the time being. And look, Missouri, New Mexico State, this has to be a big win. Uh, I mean, that's all there is to it. The spread's 28 and a half, and I know a lot of people are going to look at that and say, well, how in the world does Missouri score 28 and a half points? Well, scored 34 against Abilene Christian, scored 52 against Louisiana Tech, and that's the level of competition here. Um, New Mexico State is one of the worst teams in FBS football. They're four and five. I mean, they've they beat Lamar last week. They beat uh, 
earlier in the season, they beat New Mexico. They've beaten a really bad Hawaii team, and they have one other win in there somewhere. I forget who it is, but they're four and five. They've won three in a row, so the record looks okay. But this is, at best, a Louisiana Tech-level team, and, and I'm not even sure they're that good. This has to be the week that everything's easy for Missouri, that the defense shows that last week was a fluke, that the offense says, hey, we're playing a bad team, so we're going to score more than 24 points. This has to be the week it comes together. Sam Horn's in the game, Tavoris Jones, Jamarian Wayne. I want to see Marquise Gracial and Jalen Marshall play some defensive tackle. Um, I'd like to see Xavier Simmons at linebacker, maybe see Max Wisner at tight end, maybe just some of these guys that are the future, you know, um, kind of show that they are the future. And to get to that point, I, I know everybody wants to say, well, how soon do they play? Well, the game's got to be in hand. Eli Drinkwood's not going to put these dudes out there in a 14-7 game. It's not going to happen. So if we get a repeat of Abilene Christian and Missouri's only up, you know, I can't remember exactly how that game went, but like 28-27-17 or something like that in the third quarter, then those guys aren't going to play. And if those guys don't play, this week is a failure. And there's no spin you can give me that's going to convince me otherwise. Um, now the flip side of this is the key is to win the game. I, I know a lot of people want to see the kids, but a bowl game is still in the picture for Missouri and actually fairly realistic. Um, honestly, I think they'll get a bowl game if they just win this, but there's a difference between five and seven and qualifying for a bad bowl game and six and six and qualifying for an actual bowl game. We're going to give it another shot with Gerard. Hey, you look, you look smoother this time. Yeah. I think it's going to work. What's going on, man? We all good. Am, yeah, am we're good. Okay. I'm answering we're right good. after you asked me because I was starting to talk before and it would be like, you said like two minutes ago and I thought we was matching up, but no, I'm, I'm all good. Um, like everybody else, I'm ready to talk about a new game and not, yeah. Not last that uh, last week's massacre. So yeah, well, we're not going to talk about this game much because uh, look, I mean, I just in the couple minutes that the the technical things were getting sorted out, I said this game is a failure if we don't see all the young guys play. However, the flip side of that is the key is really to win. Like six and six is still on the table for this team, and six and six actually gets this team a decent bowl game this year. So. That has to be objective number one. Objective number two is I want to see Sam Horn and some of these kids in this game. Yeah, I mean, at what point are they going to play? Because if, it, if it's not now, it's that's that's it. So you'd hope that they could do what they should have done versus Abilene Christian and, you know, be able to play something they should have done probably versus Vandy and got them guys able to play. So. I don't think it's a fail, though, if they don't, because, again, the goal, I can see oh, there's I a lot of people, upperclassmen. I mean, I'm thinking a lot of upperclassmen thinking we can win, and Drink is still thinking that way. So they're trying to put that first and foremost. I don't know if they're going to get the points that they need to to do that. Right, but, like, to, to me, that. a 34-17 win where Brady Cook takes every snap, that's a failure. Like, because this is your I, only I chance to see those other guys on the field. Okay, so you're saying if you if you got the win in hand though, even if it's not oh, by yeah. like thirty or forty, okay, okay, I can get that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever it is, the, the again, the key is win the game. But you know, if you 
if you can't do that comfortably enough against this team to put some of those other guys in, in the game, then I don't know. Uh, it, it's not good. So we're going to get straight to questions. Cause like I said, we're, we're bringing Drew in, in about 10 minutes and we're going to talk some basketball too. But um, KE zoo wants to know if either of you are just a little nervous about this coming Saturday, because Mizzou's offense always makes me nervous. No. I, I can't invent a scenario where Missouri doesn't win this game. No, no, I, there's nothing to really be nervous. I mean, if anything, you should be a little, just a little bit optimistic. I mean, they had their best game of the season offensively, you know, and they did that for about three, two and a half quarters. I mean, that's not a full game, but I feel more confident they can do that versus a New Mexico state team than than the Tennessee. Right. Yeah, no question. Uh, AU Stock wants to know if Mizzou will finally score 30. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. What do you say, man? I'm going to let you go first here. I haven't made a prediction yet, and I know you've seen yours, but I haven't looked at it yet. But I, 30 is like, that's the ceiling. I don't know if they're getting 30, though. It just summed really? up. So I'll say 20, the 26, 27 ish range, maybe, is more likely, I guess. Okay. I picked them to score more than 30 in this game because this to me is, this is Abilene Christian, Louisiana Tech level competition and they scored 34 and 52 in those games i've got to believe they can get to 30 freeway jared want to want to shout out for the the donation um we've got a running joke on the recruiting show that everyone who watches these shows at 2 30 in the afternoon is unemployed and somebody said yesterday they got fired for watching this show at work i don't really believe it was true but i'd, I'd like to continue that so uh jared thanks man we we appreciate you joining us every tuesday and wednesday and and everybody else who is here as well um all right, so let's get to to some of the key things. Kyle wants to know, how many guys from this year's starting defense do you expect back next year? So Isaiah McGuire told us yesterday, he's done. Um, I've been told Isaiah McGuire is going to play in the Senior Bowl. Uh, so, like, he's he's out. He's he's finished. He's not coming back. I, Darius Robinson didn't say it. We didn't talk to Trajan Jeffcoat yesterday. I kind of lump all those guys. They came in together. I just kind of think they're all probably going to move on. I think I think the same way too. I think with Robinson though, I can see though if he, like Baker said, he he thinks a, a, a year more of seasoning, he could be a a day one, day two pick, which means top three rounds. I don't know if he's that this year, and maybe if he gets a draft evaluation that says less than that, he comes back. I of the three, he's the more he would be the guy I expect the most to come back. I don't I know if he will, but I, he seems like the most likely. I agree with that. So linebacker, Chad Bailey's coming back, which honestly surprised me a little bit. Tyron Hopper. I don't know. What do you, you think he's here next year? If I was him, I, I don't know if I'd be though. Is he had a really he had a really strong like that first seven or eight weeks where I was kept in track of having five tackles every game for the first seven, eight weeks. And even in the couple of games he didn't. He was still among PFS high, uh, PFF's highest graded defensive players in multiple things. Uh, as from talking from you today, PFF isn't the greatest, but it right. does kind of give you a, a paints a picture of his his impact on the field. So if I was him, I'd I'd probably leave though. He's had a good enough season. Uh, Chris Abrams drain. If I'm Chris Abrams drain, I'm coming back to school. Oh. Well, it depends. It depends where again he feels like a Robinson situation, because this this Tennessee tape, 
Anybody in the secondary who was thinking about going to the draft, if there's a scout who's like, I don't know about these guys, here's a tape for you. Every defensive back, somebody like, here's Tennessee tape, and it was just it was terrible. Without this tape, though, like, I could see if he wanted to to test the waters. Same thing for uh, Jalen Carlisle. So, yeah. But uh, I, I think know. both those guys will get their evaluation from the NFL. I just think I think KAD is a guy who could play himself into the first two rounds next year, but I don't think he's there this year. Um, Carlisle is maybe the most interesting one to me. Like, just sheer football-wise, maybe he should come back. I kind of think he's going to go. And here's my – this is based on nothing but my opinion. But here's kind of my opinion on him and Jeff Coat and Darius Robinson. Those guys have been here for a long time. They've been through some stuff, man. They, they've been through a coaching change and through COVID. And the coach they signed to play with wasn't the coach they ended up playing for most of their careers. I just think, like, at some point, you hit a point where you go, you know what, man, it's it's time for the next thing. And maybe that's NFL football, and maybe it's not. But but I just think with everything those guys have been through, I, I think people underestimate how much work goes into this. And, and I could see J.C. and Jeffcoat and Robinson and McGuire just kind of all saying, we want to go out together, man. We came in together. We want to go out together. We had a hell of a year on defense. And let's go take our shot. Yeah, obviously, I haven't been following the team that long, besides really this year and dipping into, you know, what I've read and have to do on last year's team. But I will say, of the players you just named, Carlisle is probably the most NFL ready. You know, that term they like to use. It's just far as like prototypical size, and you can see the traits there with him. Again, every defensive back had a bad game last week, but. He, he has the best hands probably for any defensive back back there. He still has the size. He still can hit, you know, uh, tackle pretty well. I think he probably leaves. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, again, that's a, a big reason we want to see some of these other guys that we haven't seen. Uh, Mizzou fan number seven says, talking to my family, all we talk about is whether or not Drinkwitz can actually develop players. Development's why Pinkle was such a great coach. What are the chances he just isn't good at development? Like, this is... People will get mad at this question, but I think it's a legitimate question right now. So Gary Pinkle, and again, I know obviously you weren't here covering it, but those classes were generally ranked 35, 40 in the country. Had a lot of three stars, handful of two stars that turned into NFL players. Like Gary had a system that he clearly was better than the rankings were. The concern with Drinkwitz, and I'm I'm not saying it's true, but until you see all this show up on the field, the concern is, what if the four and five stars don't perform like four and five stars, right? Signing them is one thing, and, and you need to sign them, but you also have to turn them into that level player, especially at a place like Missouri where you're just not, you're not Georgia. You're not signing 15 four-star kids a year. So... The four stars you do get have to play like four stars. And then you've got to be able to go out and find some of those, you know, what Tyler Beatty was for this team, what Larry Roundtree was for this team. Uh, some of those three-star kids, what, frankly, what Chris Abrams' drain is for this team, right? A three-star kid that turns into a big-time football player. And I don't think we know the answer yet if Eli Drinkwitz can do that or not. I'd agree from, 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 from again, from what I know, we – 
there's been there's been a lot of uh like along the offensive line wasn't Foster a two star? I think that's right. And and, and he kind of got him to what is it preseason All SEC second third team something like that. Yeah. I mean, most two stars aren't even sniffing the starting lineup sometimes. So to get that recognition and play him up to that level, uh, I mean that's just one case though. You can make an opposite case for people who haven't worked out. Right. And again, Javon Foster was a guy that was signed under the previous coaching staff. So what Eli has to prove is, yeah, he can get the the, the headline recruits, but also that he can find these guys that maybe aren't. And look, like Chance Looper looked like a kid like that last year. So there's there are examples of it. I mean, Cody Schrader is a productive SEC running back. So it could happen, but until you see it widespread, it's definitely a question. So last football thing, uh, Kyle says, I know it'll be hard to get ex- excited about a five and seven bowl, but hopefully that would be important for the younger players. That's all well and good. Five and seven bowl, I, I would prefer not. Uh, we were like we were talking about actual real bowl games that Missouri could make this year. If they win their last two games, there's only going to be 10 SEC teams that win six games this year. Either Missouri or Arkansas is going to be the 10th SEC team that wins six games. The other one, unless Arkansas upsets Ole Miss, is, is going to be five and seven. Auburn's not going to get there. Vandy's not going to get there. A&M's not going to get there. So if Missouri is one of those teams that gets to six and six, they're actually probably going to end up in one of those one of those SEC pool of six bowl games. And I know you and me already have our eye, man. We already know where we want to go postseason. Sir, I'm trying to go out west. Yeah, the uh, the Las Vegas Bowl, December seventeenth against the Pac-12 team. It would probably be Oregon State, UCLA, somebody along those lines. I don't care who they play if I can get. A bowl game before Christmas in Las Vegas. Sign me up. Oh, by the way, that's the bowl game I predicted Missouri to play in before the season started. So we should call you the Swami now. You got the predictions. I hope it comes true. <laughs> I did call it. I did. I did call for seven and five though. I'm po- potato, potato, five and seven, seven five, <laughs> six and six. As long as we get to that bowl. <laughs> There you go, man. So, uh, all right, Gerard, we're gonna let you let you cut out uh, real quick. Uh, I know you're you're kind of going through some stuff. We were uh, for for a story tomorrow. What did, what did you settle on? Kind of what are you working on for tomorrow? Um, so, Drink was talking a lot about you know Senior Day and all that stuff, and the 21 seniors who will be participating this week. He did mention a handful of names, about six, seven of guys on the offense and defense that will be returning. I focused on offense alignment. Because he named at least what two or three offensive linemen in that six or seven guys that are possibly gonna come back. Uh, he said they have eligibility left, which doesn't mean they're necessarily coming back to Missouri, but you know probably. And so uh, my article will basically be highlighting the guys who have played this year, like the starter type guys, and then some of the guys who, you know, the freshmen, the the red shirts, all those guys who could uh, vie for some playing time next season. All right, man. Appreciate it. We're going to let you roll. We're going to switch it out and talk hoops the the last half of the show. So uh, to do that, YouTube debut for Drew King. Yeah. What's going on, man? It's going well. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) There you go. Uh, All right. So this is like the only day I think that um, Missouri doesn't play basketball this week. Pretty much. Yeah. uh, They seem to play pretty much every night. But uh like it's a fun team to watch so far. 
Definitely. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you could argue that, um, you know, a top 50 team in pace that is also, you know, averaging an assist to turnover ratio of, of two to one, how that wouldn't be a fun team. So um, I, I agree with you there. I saw uh, somebody tweeted last night. I don't know who it was. They're the only team in the country that has 20 or more assists in every game they've played. Um, I think they're averaging 94 points a game. Uh, So, look, we know they can score. There's other question marks on this team, but they're going to put up points. Yeah, Um, and that's that's something that you brought up a lot kind of early in the season is that, um, you know, to get on the floor this year – you're going to have to do more than just put up points. Right. And so that's where you're seeing um, somebody like Isaiah Mosley come off the bench because, um, you know, Gates kind of thinks that other guys in the starting lineup can add a little bit more. So, so let's talk about Mosley. Cause I know yeah. he's the, the hot button issue for fans. So second game of the year, he doesn't play yep. why he didn't play, whatever. Dennis Gates does not have to tell us the details of that. If he doesn't want to, um, he said he just didn't play. Um, I told you at the press conference when I asked the question and he said, well, Mabor Majak didn't play Jackson Francois didn't play. Like I almost laughed, but like, okay, that's a different deal, but whatever. He doesn't know us an explanation, but I, in watching Mosley, these last two games, it's like, I think he's kind of trying to figure out exactly what Gates wants out of him. Mm-hmm. He seemed a little hesitant to shoot a, li- a couple times, but then he makes a couple and he gets on this, oh man, I know what I can do. And he shoots again and he gets pulled. Like, I just think it's an adjustment period for coach and player that like, they'll figure it out, but I don't think they figured it out yet. No, definitely not. And I think the role that they're asking him to play is drastically different from what he was doing at Missouri State, where he's kind of like the only guy that's putting up points there. Um, And so it's going to take some time for him to adapt to a new system where they're not asking him to put up 20 points a night. They're asking him to maybe put up 10 and, and, you know, a couple of assists. Um, and that's something that Gates has also talked about is, is he really feels like Mosley is the best passer on the team. And and so that's something that I think Isaiah is, is trying to play to his strengths with there. Yeah. I, 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 I love his passing. I mean, he yeah. should have, double the number of assists he has honestly um you know if if they got the stats right and if guys made shots uh want to want to hit on a couple questions mm-hmm. Kyle says well this is more of a comment but best sign I've seen so far this season has been that it's been a different guy every night scoring they played four games and they have eight guys who have scored double figures in a game yeah and, and I mean that's good for a coach because if Mosley doesn't have it one night if Kobe picks up two fouls in 159 if Sean East gets out of control, like you can pull him and it's okay. Cause there's mm-hmm. no one guy on this team that you go, well, he has to be on the floor for us to be good. Right. Yeah. That's, um, that's kind of, we saw that last night when, when Kobe got, uh, you know, picked up two fouls early on, Demoy Hodge goes off for 30 points and, um, you know, talking with Dennis last night, he was like, I've seen Demoy Hodge put up 46 before. Okay. And that's, that's a guy that really wasn't, on the radar for a lot of power five schools. He, he transferred from Cleveland state. Um, and so, you know, I, I have a piece out today about stats that stood out from last night's game. And one of the things that Dennis has 
stuck to is is sitting guys when they have two fouls. And I think part of that is because he really feels like the depth on this team allows him to switch them out without much of a drop-off. Right. And like I go back and forth on that idea because this team clearly has depth and there's no one guy that you have to have on the floor. But what we don't yet know is, does that mean because you've got 10 guys who are really good or does that mean because you got 10 guys that are all just kind of average, right? Like it, we don't know that and we're not going to know that till they start playing real teams because when they get into that Kansas, Illinois, Kentucky run, Arkansas after that, I mean, all of a sudden it might be like, well, yeah, we got a lot of guys, but like the other team has the four best players on the floor. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's that's definitely a possibility. Um, and like you said, like these first couple of games, um, you know, it's not exactly high caliber competition that they're going up against, right? Um, but I do think that these early games are important because of how many new guys that they have together. They're still you know, it, it, it buys them time to, you know, build up confidence for somebody like Aiden Shaw and it allows them to figure out what they want to do with Isaiah Mosley. Like those, those kinds of things are important early on, but I agree with you. Like, you know, you're not going to learn a whole lot about the team watching them play Lindenwood, for example. Yes. I mean, they played four games and for two of their opponents, it's their first ever D1 basketball game. So, <laughs> you know. Well, I guess Lindenwood technically had played one at some point, but first yeah. ever D1 basketball season. Right. Um, Mizzou fan number seven said, brings up kind of the point. How concerned should we be about Mizzou's defense? I wouldn't be so much concerned about the defense as I would be about the rebounding I agree. at this point. Um you know, they there have been some defensive struggles. Um, I thought they did a better job last night. They um, kind of it, – it's going to be hectic. Dennis Gates likes to switch on screens a lot, which can create a lot of confusion. Um, but I thought they did a better job of it last night. The real issue is there's not a lot of big guys on this team, um, or, or at least big guys that are getting – I would say maybe there's none. Yeah, you know um, – Kobe Brown and Aiden Shaw are going to consistently be the tallest guys in the rotation. And so if those two guys get into foul trouble, like what happened last night, um, you're going to struggle on the, uh, on the boards a little bit. Um, and even when those guys are in the rotation, you know, and going up against the Oscar Sheeways of the world, you still might struggle on the boards a little right. bit. Um, so that would be my biggest concern with this team. At this, this point, this, this kind of reminds me, and some people have brought this up on our message board. It reminds me a little bit of a Mike Anderson team slash system. Now it's a little, I mean, they're not pressing 94 feet every possession, yeah, but they rely on kind of chaos and transition points. And, you know, I remember when, when Mike was here, I mean, his teams would routinely get beat up on the on the glass. I mean, not every game, but but they would lose the rebounding battle a lot. But he always used to talk about, I look at rebounding plus turnovers. So if we can come out ahead in that regard, like maybe we're minus eight on rebounds, but if we're plus 12 in turnovers, then we're getting more possessions. And I'll take my chances with that because I count on my team and and. This team reminds me, I'm trying to think of a football analogy, and the best the best analogy might be the team Missouri just played, Tennessee. Like they go about it different a different way than a lot of teams, 
but man, they're so fast that, that just, you can't, your head's kind of spinning and you can't keep up with everything. So if somebody can force this Missouri team into a half court game, I don't love Missouri's chances, but if Missouri can keep this, Hey, we're both going to get 75 possessions. We're going to get 15 steals. We think you're going to get less. Like that's how this team needs to win. That might not be the case in two years, but that's where he's at with this roster. Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, the team that I used to cover, Texas State, is kind of the antithesis of that. You know, they want to really grind out possessions, um, force you to use like the full shot clock um, and then, um, you know, really ball control on offense. And this Missouri team isn't that in any way. No, no. Um, At some points, you know, on defense, it's almost like, okay, just just shoot already. We want the ball back. Like, yeah. <laughs> hurry it up. Um, so, yeah, this team is, I think, going to play really fast all year long. Um, and I actually do think that's kind of what Dennis Gates wants to build his program around is, is the ability to get up and down the court like that. Um, and I think Demoy Hodge is, is an example of the kind of guy that he wants because if you watched him last night, um, he was the first guy down the floor every single possession. And if you can, you know, have that kind of pace, it's it's really tough to keep up with. Well, I've been amazed at the number of times in four games that I've looked and go, I don't know if Trey Gamillion was playing defense or not, but he's already like six feet from the other basket, right? Like he just <laughs> he's like the dude in the in the pickup games. It's like, all right, you guys down there, throw me the ball as soon as you steal. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's it's been funny, but I, I think obviously eventually Dennis wants more size. I mean, you see that in the signing class, you know, Trent Pierce's six nine-ish. Mm-hmm. Jordan Butler's close to seven feet. So he'll bring in more sizes as they go along. Um, but, you know... I'll, I'll it, tell you this, though. You know, talking to some of the recruits, some of the big guys that they're recruiting, you know, a lot of them are talking about how he doesn't want the bigs to just be a back-to-the-basket right. kind of guy. They they want the bigs to be playmakers and facilitators and, and work in the pinch post, you know? So... Um, that kind of points toward having, you know, a more mobile team, a team that wants to, um, you know, push the tempo a little bit. I mean, you can tell Dennis Gates worked for Leonard Hamilton because (laughs) I covered, I covered Missouri against Florida state in the NCAA tournament in 2017. And you looked at layup lines and you go, I don't know which one is the shooting guard and which one is the center because they're all somewhere between 6'5 and 6'11 and they're all freak show athletes who look like they could play tight end in the SEC. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, you you talked about covering Texas State last year and Missouri last year was the same way. Conzo Martin, like I, I used to joke on our message board and in stories even, I said, like Conzo Martin's dream is winning every game 61-60. Now, mm-hmm. the problem with that is when that's the setup, you keep everybody in the game, right? And so if, if your idea is limit possessions, low scoring, we're going to win it on defense. Well, every now and then you run into a team that shoots well, or maybe you just don't shoot well, or you turn the ball over a couple extra times. And it's a lot easier to me to be a good team that loses 63-62 than to be a good team that loses 93-90 to because that mm-hmm. other team still has to score 93 points to beat you. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's a lot more about the execution part of it, I think, 
when we're talking about Texas State and the way Mizzou used to play. And in this instance, it's kind of okay to make mistakes, right? Because you know that you've got time to to make it up. Yeah, and and you're going to force hopefully more mistakes than you make. Uh, yeah. Somebody says Mizzou fan number seven says Wichita will be our first real test. So that's kind of my question. How big a test do we think that is? Because they lost a rough one the other night, and I'm not sure this Wichita State team is the Wichita State we're used to. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be the Wichita State team that you know made a big run in the NCAA tournament. It's not. It's not the Cinderella. Fred, Fred Van Vliet ain't walking through that door. No, not. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's still not, you know, a bad team. It's it's and it's a, a road team. game. Right, it's a road game. Um, they're ranked in the Ken Palm top 100 still, even after the loss. Um, and you know, I, they play in the American Conference. That's not a terrible. That's like a top, oh, yeah. you know, six or that's seven a solid mid major league. Yeah. yeah, you know, you got to go up against Houston at least. So, um, yeah. So yeah, it's not going to be like going up against an SEC team, but it is a solid team to go up against. I mean, I think clearly you need to be seven and zero going there, but I think this team's goal should be nine and zero when Kansas comes to town on December tenth. I mean, I'm not going to say yeah. you you shouldn't be pissed off if they go lose at Wichita, but like I think the expectation is they'll win that game. I think so too. Yeah, um, and that's the case most of the time when you have a high major versus a mid major, right? I think you're expected to win every game. However, we've seen like a lot of these high majors have been getting upset early on in the season. So I wouldn't say it's a, it's necessarily a lock for Missouri, but that is a game that they should go in expecting to win for sure. Right. And that'll be the first time they've ever played in somebody else's building this year and all that. So you never know. Um, Josh Randall says, all right, so here we go, man. This is where this is. This is where we're at, right? Can't help but think this is a tournament or highly seated NIT team. I just like, I've always found my job to be managing expectations, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to set people up for something that I don't think that, that there's much chance is going to, now Missouri could be an NCAA tournament team. I'm not saying that's impossible, but we just, I mean, what's their best win? Like mm -hmm. their best win is, I don't know, Penn, Penn, I guess. Yeah. And that, you know, that's it's, it, like, we're a long way from talking NCAA tournament. Definitely. Yeah. I, I had somebody on Twitter ask me last night, you know, based on, you know, the three and a half games you've seen so far, <laughs> have your expectations, you know, gone up at all? And I don't think you can judge any team or, or very many teams based on three right. and a half games, you know, and especially playing a, schedule that mizzou has so far <laughs> well and i and i think and it's funny because this is the this is the time of year where football and basketball are both going on and i think it takes college sports fans like a good two months to adjust from the football like every game is a referendum on the season i, I mean if you look at it we are legitimately like in the first quarter of the second game of the year in terms of a basketball season, right? They're, right. they're going to play 38, 39 games this year, ideally. And they play four. So, so this <laughs> yeah. is like the first quarter against Kansas state in terms of football. And I just think it takes fans a little while to adjust to, 
oh, like, yeah, we're going to go on the road some point and no show and like Ole Miss is going to beat us by 15 points or something's going to happen. I mean, it's just, it's okay. You're, you're The best team in the country is going to lose five times this year probably. Yep. Yep. K- Kentucky already lost. They already lost. Right. To Duke lost. Yeah, Duke lost. Yeah. Sadly, I know, too, most people watching. <laughs> uh, but, no, the point is, like, I, I don't know, man. I We've got to get to – like, we got to get to New Year's before I'm even comfortable saying I have any idea what this team is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they definitely – you know, once we get to the Kansas-Kentucky – Arkansas, Illinois, you know, that stretch, I think that's going to be a better indicator of what the realistic expectations of this team is going to be. And I mean, my expectation as we sit here today, if you can win one of those four, that's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I know people hate to hear it, but those are, you know, you've got four games in a row against, I would say what top 15 teams. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Definitely. So, so if you can get one win there, I, I think it's good. Um, we're going to do this uh, as, as as football season kind of wraps up and we do get more into basketball season. We'll do this with Drew weekly. I uh, wanted to get him in here because obviously everybody's excited. Season season just getting going. So just kind of uh, before we go, Drew, I mean, just, just hey, first handful of games getting going here. You know, what, what's it been like? What, what uh, just, just covering covering this uh this basketball team and getting going here yeah it's it's been really exciting you know this job was something that stood out to me because I was going to get to cover just basketball and so um you know getting to actually you know partake in a season and and drill into a team and figure out you know like what's what's really making that click that's been super fun for me so far um and so i'm really looking forward to learning more about some of the players on the team um getting to know some of the assistant coaches potentially um and so yeah i'm, I'm really looking forward to this year before we uh before we go i just want to uh highlight my favorite moment from last night and i don't know if you could see this from from press row or it, like it was right when the game was ending. So you might've been doing other stuff, but did you notice Ben Sternberg approach half court and then look over to the bench last night to see if he was allowed to shoot another half court shot? I did. <laughs> I did see that. And I also, I also heard the the disappointment from the crowd when the shot didn't go in. <laughs> right. Didn't go in. And right. like he clearly waited until after the buzzer to shoot. Right. Right. Yeah. So Ben Sternberg, half-court shot, watch. Uh, look, hey, it's great news anytime we get to see the attempt because that means uh, Missouri is probably a big. But uh, appreciate true. you I, hanging out with us, man. Well, have you told the people your your column idea about Ben Sternberg? Um, I've alluded to it on the message board. We have – I I think this came to uh, fruition at the Wash U exhibition – and I said that if Ben Sternberg dunks, I promise I will devote an entire column to that after the game. Um, I, I was very happy it hasn't happened yet because, like these <laughs> games, I don't want to have to do it. Um, I I don't want it to happen like against KU because, like, mm. I think I'm going to have actual things to write after that yeah. game. You know, but I I I think I'm fairly safe on that. Like I've watched layup lines, and I don't think he can dunk. We'll see. Uh, I'm gonna hold you to it, though. Hey, I just want to say it doesn't count if he does like the trampoline, like the Phoenix Suns gorilla. Okay, it has to be an actual dunk. I agree with it, and it has to be in a game. 
<laughs> yeah. right. So keep an eye out for that Ben Sternberg dunk column, half court shot watch, and uh, and basketball going forward. But uh, Drew, good to good to catch up, man. Look yeah. forward to doing this weekly, and and we'll talk to you. Sounds good. All right, that is Drew King covering basketball for us this year. Gerard Hamilton, still, you guys have gotten to know him on this show, uh, doing football, and and we'll kind of mix it up a little bit over the next few weeks. Um, you know, next week will probably be football centric with the Arkansas game, but then after that, we'll, we'll go a little back and forth with basketball and football, and have Drew and uh, and Gerard both on these shows, and obviously both of them are writing regularly um, um, on the site. So I hope you guys are checking out all of their stuff. Appreciate you uh, hanging out here with us uh, live. If you're one of the people who was here live with us, just do me a favor, hit the like button on the show, hit the subscribe button to the channel. Any other buttons you can find to hit, hit those, share us on social media, say nice things. If you're listening on the podcast, same deal applies. Uh, Leave us a a good review, say good things about what we're doing. Uh, Maybe share it with your friends on social media. Even if you don't do that, even if all you did is, is, hey, just listen, and you're like, I don't want to push your buttons, and I don't want to share on social media, get in touch with James Carlton at State Farm Insurance in Webster Groves, Missouri. Carltoninsurance.net, phone number is 314-961-4800. Um, you guys can uh, get in touch with him, and he's going to do his best, him and a team of eight, to save you money on all your insurance needs. You're going to get a real person. You're not going to get a recording. So get in touch with James. He'll do everything he can to save you money on insurance. And even if he doesn't do that, if you get a quote from him and uh, you mentioned Power Mizzou, uh, when you talk to somebody in James's office, they're going to donate $20 to the NIL Collective. So appreciate you guys hanging out. Uh, We've got football Saturday, basketball Sunday and all kinds of stuff coming up. Uh, Holidays are the busiest time of the year. So while you guys are off work, we will be working. Appreciate you hanging out and we'll talk to you later on.